Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nbplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. Today we are in week two of uh, So Will I. And last week uh, we talked about if creation worships you, so will I. Today we're going to speak on if kings worship you, so will I. The following Sunday we're going to speak on if the wealthy worships you, so will I. And we're going to close the following Sunday after that if angels worship you, so will I. And for that I want to draw your attention today to Psalms 148 verses 11 through and including 13. We read last Sunday the entire chapter. A 148. So throughout the course of the series, we're going to just pick some of the verses that uh, create the bigger picture of what the sermon series is. And uh, Psalms 148, verse 11 through and including 13 reads in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It says, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and women, old men, and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. To understand the scripture, you have to understand the context, to understand how authoritative the psalmist is, which David, King David, wrote the psalm. When you understand the grammar or the way through which he writes is as if he doesn't give us room to make a decision as to whether or not we ought to praise God. For he says, kings of the earth and all nations, princes and all rulers, Young men, women, and old men, and children. Everybody's got to praise the Lord. This is not a request. This is not, well, if you have nothing else to do with your time, go ahead and do it. The writer doesn't write giving us the opportunity or the flexibility or the option to praise God. Why does he take that strong approach? Because of the time the psalm was written. The psalm was written in the monarchical period. What is the monarchical period? The monarchical period was the period where monarchy was full throttle. Today we live in a a democratic period. And because we live in democracy, our constitution says stuff like, we the people, because we decide legislature. We decide based on votes and the cabinet, and, and, the, and, and, and the Supreme Court, and, and an electoral process is what allows us the right to decide whatever we decide. But in the times of monarchy, in the times of kings, you didn't have that right. Because whatever a king spoke became law. Whenever a king would declare a thing, that thing declared became rule. And if you would violate whatever a king spoke, 
You were breaking the law. Consequently, you deserved to die. So when I read the Psalms, I got to position myself in that monarchical process to understand that who is speaking is a king. And he is speaking to his subjects and to the citizens of the kingdom he reigns over. Now, take out King David and put King Jesus over your life. He is king, the Bible says in Revelation, he is king of kings and Lord of lords. And sometimes my prayer is, Lord, how I wish we can take the approach of the king mentality when it comes to our homes. Because sometimes, and if you're honest with yourself and with me, sometimes we let our kids do whatever they want in the house. But we got to come to a place where we can establish authority and rulership from God's perspective over our family. So that we can say stuff like what Joshua said in chapter 24, who was under a monarchical period. He said, y'all worship whoever y'all want, y'all do whoever you want. But Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So when you understand that God is our king, and whatever the king God says is law, I'm here to encourage you, church. That we got to make God king over our lives once again. We got to make God king over our homes once again. We got to make God king over our families once again. And tell our children and tell those who we influence, you know what? In this house, he's king. And what he says is law. Okay. Thank you, Brother Mike. Thank you. So the Bible shows us. Not only that creation, based on last week, praises and worships God, but then the Bible shows us that kings worship God. And throughout all of Scripture, primarily in the Old Testament and in the New, we see kings worshiping God. In the book of Daniel, chapter number 3, there's an episode when King Nebuchadnezzar decided to build a statue so that everybody in Babylon would worship. Yeah, there were three Hebrew boys by the name of Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused to prostrate themselves before the image that this king had raised. Long story short, they threw them in a, in a fiery furnace, hoping they would burn. But because of their faith in God, they decided not to bow down to the idol of Nebuchadnezzar. And the Bible says that while they were thrown in the fire, God himself shows up in the fire and none of them got burned and they were taken out. The effect of that, when King Nebuchadnezzar saw that reality, look what the Bible says in verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be, now, now when you read that, when you read that, it sounds like he's praising God. No, he's not, saying, he's not praising God, although he is. He is commanding his nation to praise God. Because whatever a king established, whatever a king decrees becomes law. So after he had an encounter with God, now he is obligating the entire nation who minutes ago were bowing down before the image he raised. Now he's telling that same crowd, he's telling them, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. 
They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. So we see King Nebuchadnezzar worshiping God. We see King Nebuchadnezzar telling his nation, you are all going to worship the God of Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Old Testament kings worship God. New Testament kings worship God. Book of Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says that when Jesus was born, three kings came from the east. And when they found Jesus in a manger, y'all know the Christmas story, when they found Jesus in a manger, these three kings bowed before the Lord. They brought frankincense, myrrh, and gold, and they worshiped God. Kings in the Old Testament worshiped God. Kings in the New Testament worshiped God. But today, I want to address my attention on one of the kings in the Bible that worshiped God. And his name is King David. King David declared the following. Psalms 138 Verses 4 and 6. If you're Spanish and you've been in church long enough, long enough, do you know the song? Psalms 138. Okay, you know that. Okay. He says, may all the kings of the earth praise you, Lord, when they hear what you have decreed. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly, though lofty, he sees them from afar. First theological class. Who is David writing the psalm to? Go back to the first verse. May all the who? Okay. So he's not writing to peasants. He's not writing to people. He's writing to kings. He's writing and he's telling the kings, all the kings of the, na- of the earth praise the Lord. Praise the Lord when they hear what you've decreed. And then he says, look at verse 6. The Lord is exalted. He looks kindly on the lowly. What does that mean? He looks pleasantly on the humble and he sees from afar the prideful. Now this verse for peasants ain't a big problem because peasants do whatever the king says. But for a king... This is a big verse. Why? Because God, David is telling kings that the only way that God honors you as a king is if you humble yourself. Remind me of Billy. If you humble yourself to the point of casting down your title, your position, your prestige, and lowering it down at the foot of the God who has given you the capacity to be king. He says, if you humble yourself, I will lift you up. But if you lift yourself up, he says, I will look at you from a distance. And David was the kind of king that made it his business as long as I am king over Israel, I'm going to, listen, it's humble. It's, it's hard to be a humble king. It's hard to be a humble king because kings, wherever they go, hey, hail the king. Wherever they go, they got people serving. Wherever they go, they clap to them. Wherever they go, they serve them. But David is saying, if I, if you want to know the success of being a king and the longevity of the effectiveness of a king is not on how much accolade you give, it's how much are you willing to worship and bow down before the God who gave you the capacity to be king where you're at. He says, if, you, if you're haughty, God says, I ain't, gonna look, I ain't even going to look at you. But if you're humble, 
I'm going to be pleased with you. This, this is the king telling kings that the success of a man is his obedience to worship God. Listen, the success of your walk is in your obedience to be a worshiper. The success in your relationships is in obedience of a worshiper. When you understand that worship is not the, the, the speed of a song, but worship is the character, the content of your heart, and obedience to the God that called you, oh God, you live your life in humility, you live your life humble, because that is what draws you to God. You are attracted to God when you're humble before him but God runs from those who have a haughty spirit we're talking about worship and King David was the kind of worshiper that he made it his business to live a constant walk of praise and worship the Bible says that King David praised and danced before the Lord now, now, David didn't praise and dance before the Lord because he, came, he became king. David praised and danced the Lord while he was taking care of sheep. You know, there are people that they only praise God. There are people that they only praise God when they make it. When they make it. Look what the Lord has done. But David was the type of king that, that when God didn't make nothing, he was a praiser. When he was unknown, he was a praiser. When nobody invited him to the palace to play his little harp, he was the praiser. But, but, but then you have the other side. There are only people that only praise God when they're going through, oh, Lord, if you get me out, Lord, you're good, you're good. And then when God gets you out, you don't give God no more praise. Because your praise is for God to get you out of a mess. Others only praise God when you're out the other side to praise God because of what he's done. But God is looking for praisers that can praise him before the situation, during the situation, and after the situation. God is looking for a church that can praise God when you got money in your pocket and when you got to borrow. God is looking for a church that can praise God when God heals you from a sickness and when you're still getting chemotherapy. God is looking for a church that can say, though he slay me, yet will I bless the name of the Lord. David, David, David's praise was not based on a title. David's praise was based on a relationship with God. David's worship was not based on how many plaques he got. David's worship was based on the fact that I know, that I know, that I know that while I'm in the desert, yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow and of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He was a worshiper. King David worshiped. And look what the Bible says. King David worshiped. Check this out. Because sometimes when we hear the word worship, when we think of praise, we think praise is the jumping part. And we think of worship, we think it's like, hallelujah. And our minds plays that game. Praise is, worship is, no. David praised, worshipped, and danced. Listen to me. Before the Lord. Let, let me give you context before I read the scripture. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 12 through 15. David, David becomes king over Israel. As he gets ready to get the throne, remember Saul was king over Israel. During Saul's leadership, 
there's this thing called the Ark of the Covenant, which the Ark of the Covenant had three ingredients or three elements inside the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God. The presence of God was made manifest through this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant had three things in the Ark or in the box which represented the presence of God. Artifact number one. It had the rod of Moses. Remember when Moses stands before the Red Sea, he raises up his rod. He had the rod of Moses in there. Second thing he had in there was the law, the Ten Commandments in the Ark of the Covenant. And lastly, he had the manna that God fed God's people for 40 years in the wilderness. Those three things were in the box and the box was the Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark of the Covenant represented the Holy Spirit or the presence of God. And I feel like, preacher, but I got to take a swallow. And, 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 and then on top of the Ark, or on top of the box, there was a box like this. You had those three elements in it, and then they would put a cover over it. On top of that cover, they had two, and I'm going to talk about this uh, the last Sunday. They had two celestial being-like images called cherubim. And each cherubim had wings, but the wings were overlapping over the shoulder like this. And then the other cherubim had his wings overlapping this way. And, and they were both looking in the direction of what's inside the box. What was in the box? The Ten Commandments. What was in the box? The rod of Moses. What was in the box? The manna. Who, who is the manna? The manna is Jesus. What is the commandments? The word of God. And what is the rod? Resurrected life in Christ. And both of these, both of these cherubims are looking down as to protect these three things because these three things represent the presence of God. During Saul's leadership, Israel lost the presence of God. But when David becomes king over Israel, he's not interested what color throne he's going to buy on, her, uh, on, on, on Ikea. He's not interested what kind of scepter he's going to have when he goes to home goods and buy it. He says, the first thing I want to make sure that is back in Jerusalem is the very same thing that represents the presence of God. And so he go get this. You got to make sure that before you go get a man, you got the presence. You got to go make sure that before you apply for that job, you got the presence. You got to make sure that you do nothing outside of the presence of God because I'd rather be with the presence of God and my rinky-dinky job and get the blessing of God than be in a position and lose it all at the expense of... Oh, I feel like preaching. Saul lost the Ark of the Covenant. When David becomes pre president, when David becomes king, When David becomes king, he says, the first thing I want to do is go get the ark. Go get the ark. Because I can't sit on a throne one day outside of God's presence. Because I cannot lead God's people outside of God's presence. Because I cannot establish any law outside of God. Because I can establish law. But laws established outside of God's presence will be based on how I feel, my pretexts, and my environment. And I cannot lead my people by my feelings. I got to lead my people by the spirit of God. 
Some of y'all want God to take you someplace, but you have to learn how to grow from being led by your emotions to be led by the Spirit. The Bible says those that are led by the Spirit are called the children of God. You got to let the Holy Spirit guide you, direct you, show you so that everybody that can follow you can get to Jesus, not to you. David says, I ain't going to sit in that throne until I go get the presents. Now look at what happens. Look at what happens. David goes sent to get the present. He goes, somebody say sent. David went and got people to go get the, the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, I could preach this for a minute. David went and told people to go get the Ark of the Covenant. I'll say it again until it, it, it hits you. David went... Didn't, devil is a liar. David went, didn't go get the presents himself. David went, asked somebody else to get him. Y'all still haven't gotten it. David didn't want to pay the price and seek the face of God. Instead, David said, why don't y'all go get the presents and bring it to me? You know that there are a lot of people in church just like that, that they come to church to get an experience and have presents, and they don't want to sacrifice to get their own presents. They got people in the church that come to church just so that they can feel good, but I'm here to tell you, you can't get nobody to get you what you got to get for yourself. You got to fight for what you want. You got to fight for what you need. You got to fight. You got to fight. You got to fight. Touch your neighbor. Touch your neighbor. Touch your Tell him. Tell him. Tell him. I don't need your help for this one. Tell him. I don't need your help for this one. I'm going to seek the face of God. I'm going to wake up early in the morning. I'm going to get on my knees to pray. I'm going to seek the glory of God. I'm going to do it. But David said, no, yeah, yeah, go get it. Go get it. Go get it. And you know what happened? They went to go get it. And there's a guy by the name of Uzzah. Uzzah. And when he was passing by the city of Nacor, and I'll preach that another day. When he was passing by, passing by the city of Nacor, the Bible says that he, the, the Ark of the Covenant was, was being dragged by some oxen, some, 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 some animals, right? And it was being, on a, it was being carried on a cart. And, 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 and the, the city or the town of Nicor was a bumpy road. I could preach that. <laughs> a bumpy road. And, and while it was going through the bumpy road, the, the Ark of the Covenant began to jerk and began to almost fall. But, but, but when Nicor, when, when Nicor saw what was happening, he tried to hold on to the Ark of the Covenant. He tried to help the Ark of the Covenant from falling. He tried to assist. Let, let, let me tell you, God don't need your help. God just needs your worship. He, 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 he tried to assist the Ark of the Covenant, and the Bible says that just because he touched it, God killed him, and he died. God killed Uzzah for trying to help God. Listen, listen, listen. Where God wants to take you, he does not need your help. Where God is going to take you, he don't need your assistance. Stop trying to help God. Stop trying to scheme a plan. Stop trying to devise a plan. God don't need you. He made you so that you can embrace what he has for you. If he had needed you, I feel like preaching. If God can't do it without you, well, then you would be God. But God don't need you. He just wants you to praise him and worship him so your eyes can see the salvation of the Lord. So what happens? What happens? The guy dies. 
the news get to David. David, dude, we, we try to bring the presence, but, but Uzzah died. And David went crazy. So David says, okay, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the Ark of the Covenant, and we're going to take it to this man by the name of Obed-Edom. Take it to Obed-Edom's house. And he takes it to Obed-Edom's house, and for several months, I believe it was six months, it was in Obed-Edom's house, the presence, the Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant was in Obed-Edom's house. And the Bible says that in Obed-Edom's house, everything began to flourish. I mean, now when he would sow uh, 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 tomatoes, the tomatoes were bigger than ever. When he would sow apple seeds, the trees were bigger than ever. Everything that Obed-Edom had in his house began to flourish. And when David saw everything in Obed-Edom's house flourishing, he said, mm, I got to have that in my house. Let me tell you, when, when you understand the power of the presence of God in your life, you don't have to worry about how did they make it successfully? How did they reach their success? When you understand the power of the presence of God, you're going to realize that you could be sowing the same seed, but with the presence of God, God will make that fruit look bigger. You can sow the same seed, but with the presence of God, everything will look greater. You can sow that same prayer, but with the presence of God, it's going to be even. I'm here to tell you today, your problem is not the territory. Your problem is your perspective of the presence of God in the middle of your territory. You got to shift your mind from saying, I got to be like that to be blessed. You got to be a worshiper to be blessed. You got to be in the presence of God to be blessed. Oh, don't do that yet. Not yet, not yet. Listen, everything in Obed-Edom's house was blessed. Now, why did God bless Obed-Edom and got killed in the core? Here's why. I told you Sunday, last Sunday, the power of worship stems out of obedience. Remember that? The power of worship stems out of obedience. Nacor, Nacor did what he was not supposed to do. Why? Because Nacor was not supposed to touch the Ark of the Covenant. The only ones qualified to touch the Ark of the Covenant was the Levites and the priests. Nacor was not a Levite and Nacor was not a priest. But he felt he could do something that he was not called to do. So, so what happens? God took the Ark of the Covenant to the house of Obed-Edom because he was part of the Levitical family. He qualified as a Levite. That's why it didn't kill Obed-Edom, because Obed-Edom fell within the ranks of the rights to do what he did. Now, listen, 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 listen. You got to see this. Now, when David sees that the Ark of the Covenant is bringing blessings to Obed-Edom's house, which Obed-Edom represents obedience, and obedience always brings presence. Look what the Bible says now in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 12 through 15. It says, now it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God, the presence. So David went, the first time he said, go get the ark of the covenant. Remember, he was trying to, yeah, 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 bring me present. This time he said, no, 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 I'm going to get it myself. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And there was, and so it was. When those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and David was wearing a land. Now, I understand. From Obed-Edom's house, from Obed-Edom's house to the palace, 
was a four-mile distance. The Bible says that David took six steps. One, two, three, four, five. Stop. At the sixth step, he takes an animal, kills the animal, sacrifices it, and then he takes another six steps. Now, now, four miles. I didn't say four minutes. Four miles. So that's one, two, three, five, six. Kill, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Give me another animal. Kill, sacrifice, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Give me another animal. Kill, sacrifice, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Every sixth step, David was doing several things. Number one, he was walking in faith. Oh, Jesus. Now, 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 you have to understand, the last guy that touched it died. So David is like, okay, okay, I, I can't trust in my abilities. I, 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 I can't, no, I, I'm going to trust you. But every step is a step of confidence, but a step of fear. A step of confidence, but a, te- a step of revenue. You got to walk your life with fear and trembling, not afraid of God, but in respect of the presence of God. That's why when I walk this walk, I can't be around people that are going to take me backward because I want to go where God wants me. Now, now I, 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 want, I want you to see the trail, four-mile rate distance. See the trail of blood, sacrifice. Do, do you see it? Four miles, every six steps. <laughs> Killed him. From Obed-Edom's house to the throne, the Bible says that he took six steps, he sacrificed. Now, read verse, verse put 14 up there. It says, then David danced. Before the Lord with all of his might. The Bible is not saying that but when David made it to Israel, he danced before the Lord. That's not what he's saying. David is saying, the, what the Bible is saying, after every sixth step, one, two, three, four, five, six. None of y'all died? Cool. We good. Give me a goat. Ba, 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 kill. After he killed, David was dancing and dancing and dancing as if to say, I'm not dead yet. Then they'll take another six steps. One, two, three, four, five. Y'all still alive back there? Good. Give me another one. Kill. Bah, 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 bah. Hallelujah. He'll dance it again. Can you imagine how many dances David danced before he made it to the throne? Some, why is it sometimes that it takes us one little time to dance and we quit on God, but we want to get to the palace? You got to be persistent. You got to be consistent. You got to fight the good fight. Talk to your neighbor, talk to your neighbor, tell him, keep dancing, keep dancing. Tell him, keep dancing, keep dancing, keep dancing, keep dancing. You might not see it now, but keep on dancing. You might not see it now, but keep on dancing. King David did not look what it says. It was so, verse 14, then David danced before the Lord with all of his might. Look what he says. Then David danced before the Lord. Was the Lord there? No, but the Lord's representation of himself was there. What was the Lord's representation of himself? The Ark of Covenant. King David, listen to me, he did not limit his praise before the Lord. King David was the first one to praise the Lord. You got to be the first one to praise God in your house. 
You got to be the example in your house of what true praise is. You got to be the, let me tell you, we, we, we got to grow from this mentality that says praise is what I do after God delivers me. No, praise is what you do until you get your deliverance. And when you get your deliverance, you praise God. Oh God. So I'm going to praise God in the middle of my mess. I'm going to praise God when he gets me out the mess. And I'm going to praise God in preparation for the next mess that's coming. So that all the time of my walk, before, during, and after, I'm going to live a constant, continual life of praise and worship King David was dancing before the ark of the covenant now if we go by the rule of God killing Uzzah for touching the ark God should have killed David for dancing before the Lord because the text the text says and David danced before the Lord with all of his might. David was not supposed to be where he was. Oh God, I, I, I'll get that in a minute. David did not allow anything to limit his praise. David relinquished his position at the expense of being in the presence of of God. My question to you is, are you willing to relinquish your position, your ego? Your what the people are going to say if they catch me lifting up my hands in the middle of service? Are you willing to let that go? David, who was the king of a, of a nation, was willing to put all that to the floor, and he himself lift up holy hands. Are you willing to go crazy in the middle of a service and lift up your hands and open your mouth and stretch back your lips and give God praise like you're going crazy? Are you, are, 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 are you willing to get your little, can, can I get a break, Mr. Boss, and go to your bathroom and look at yourself in the mirror and praise the Lord and speak yourself? some tongues and come out that bathroom ready to fight the devil in your job are you ready to be different like this are you willing to step out on faith and give God praise I believe this is the reason why the sons of Korah in Psalm chapter 84 and verse 10 wrote this psalm when they saw David worshiping not in the temple of God but in the middle of the street it says for one day in your courts is better than a thousand I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness when you become a worshiper you rather be in God's presence than sitting on a throne you rather be in God's presence than being applauded by the people now, listen to me, listen to me. While he's praising God, God is happy with him. But how many know, how many know that everybody has a player hater? You know what I'm talking about? They're player haters even in the church. But I'm here to let you know, don't let your neighbor shut your praise. Look at your neighbor tell him, I ain't going to shut up. I ain't going to shut up. Don't let your neighbor shut your praise. Don't let your neighbor... Shut your praise. Because look at what happens. David is having church in the streets. But now he's going to go back home. And 2 Samuel chapter 6 verse 20 says, Then David returned to what? He returned to his household. And Michal, or Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David. Who is Michal? Michal is David's wife. How did David, why did David marry Michal? How did they, did they fall in love? No. This marriage happened because of spoils. Spoils are rewards. 
Remember, remember when David was going to fight Goliath? Remember that? When he fought Goliath, before he killed Goliath, he asked, hey, what, what is the king giving? What's the reward for whoever kills this giant? And they told David, whoever kills the giant is going to marry the king's daughter. So David didn't marry Makar because he loved her. He married Makar because of commitment. Oh, God, I could preach that. Because some of y'all, you got to make sure that you don't hook up with people because of what they could get out of you. You got to hook up with people because you love them. But that's another message. So, 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 so David says, okay, so, if the, so, so whenever, whenever he saw her, he saw you are the, you are the reward for my fight. So, so, so now, so now, so now, 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 Saul dies in battle, right? David becomes king. When David becomes king, David wears the king's clothes because the robe of a king was passed down to generations. That's why kingdoms were in between the family line. So if a father was king, his son comes and takes the throne. When he becomes king and he dies, then his son becomes king and takes the throne. But the robe of the king would always go down from one son to the other, from one son to the other. So, 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 so when, as long as David had the robe of a king, whenever Michal saw David, it reminded her of daddy. It reminded her of her father. It reminded her of her past. I'm here to tell you today, church, part of the problem you're having is that you're surrounding yourself with people who always look at you of where you come from, but they don't see you from where you're going. Look at what happens. What happens? When she saw David, look what she says. Verse 20. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today? If you, translation, sarcasm. Uncovering himself in the eyes of the maids of his servants, as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Let me, let me, let me, if she was a Puerto Rican, this is what she would say. Mira que lindo. If she was a sister, oh no, he did. Come here, boo. Let me hit you real quick. <laughs> she began to mock him. She began to criticize. Micah was upset at David because David relinquished his garments. And, but you know what the problem is? Who was supposed to be dancing was Micah, not David. Because based on tradition, based on ancient dance, it was the woman who was supposed to dance first, and then the woman lead the men. You don't believe me? Exodus chapter 15 and verse 20. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand, and all of the women went out after her with timbrels and with dancing. So based on this example, Micah was supposed to be the first one dancing in the, in the presence of the Lord. Micah was supposed to be the one giving God praises. But sometimes those people that are supposed to be giving God praises are too busy criticizing that they themselves are missing out on the greatest blessing. You got to make sure you don't hang out with folk who are too busy criticizing you. Get rid of them and find somebody who can give God praise to the level God is expecting you to give. Listen to me. She was too busy criticizing. Let me tell you something. The greatest critics are the poorest praisers. The greatest critics. 
are the most poorest praisers. But when you're a praiser, <laughs> when you're a praiser, you ain't got time to criticize because you can see God operate in the middle of the mess. When, 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 when you're a praiser, you don't got time to criticize because you can see God unfolding something as you begin to praise God. She accused him of being naked. But the thing is, oh, that's only hot. The thing is, she said, oh, look at, look at you dancing all naked over Jerusalem, exposing yourself to the maid servants of Israel. But here's the deal. David was not naked. Because the Bible says he was wearing a linen ephah. But when she saw him, she saw him naked. But he wasn't naked. But when the critics see you, they see you naked, but you're not naked. See, it's, it's, it's the same thing that happened in the garden. When, when, because what is worship? Worship is, somebody say obedience. Come on, say it again. Say it again. I finished my note. No, no, I got to stay up here. Obedience. Worship is obedience. Adam and Eve obeyed in the garden. They were clothed with God's presence. Adam and Eve disobeyed in the garden. They got naked. And they saw themselves without clothes. But they never had clothes. But they were clothed. As long as they were obedient, they had the clothes of the Holy of the, of the presence of God. I'll say it again. Adam and Eve were always naked. But when they disobeyed, it cut their worship and disobedience allowed them to see that they were no longer clothed by the presence of God. Micah, when she sees David, she sees him naked. Because Micah was walking in disobedience because who was supposed to be worshiping God was Micah, not David. But when you walk in disobedience, you don't see the garments of praise. Oh, God. When, when, when you walk in disobedience, you can't see the spiritual clothing. And so since you can't see spiritual clothing, you go by physical clothing. Because you can't see it in the spiritual. Now you're going by the natural. So what did she see? She saw David naked. Why did she see him naked? The Bible says that David took off his clothes and danced with all of his might. Now, when he takes off his clothes, understand, David took off the robe of a king. David took off his position. He took off, he took off his title. But Micah only loved David because of the title. Because he married her because of the title. What's going to happen to whoever kills this guy? He's going to be the prince. The, He's going to marry the queen, the king's daughter. So as long as Micah saw this, it reminded her. But David said, I'm willing, I, I'm willing to let this go. Because, because, because before I had that, I had praise. Before I had that, I was a worshiper. Before I had that, 
I understand that now that God has given me this. He gave me this because I was a worshiper. He gave me that because I, when I was taking care of sheep, I was giving God praise. He gave me that because when I was taking care of sheep and I was giving God the best of me, an anointing flowed over my head and it made me king. And, and, so, and so I understand and I got to clear that this is not what defines me. What defines me is my obedience and praise and worship. This is the result of obedience, but this is not who I am. This is what God gives those who obey. Why are you seeking the things? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. She sees this and she said, oh my God, you just took off your clothes. David said, Mama, I, ne I never took off my clothes because behind this was the clothes of a worshiper. Behind it, underneath this was the clothes that I really had. That's why the Bible says, and David danced before the Lord. I told you that if God killed Uzzah, he should have killed David. Because David disobeyed. But God didn't kill him. David disobeyed. How did he disobey? The rule. When you were walking with the Ark of the Covenant, there was a there was there was a there was a, a procedure you had to keep in place. Here's the procedure. The Ark of the Covenant represented God, his presence. Behind the Ark of the Covenant, you had Levites. Some, well, you have four Levites here, one carrying the ark here, 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 with a bar in the middle, because they couldn't touch it. They had put it through a stick, a golden stick, and lift it up. They couldn't touch it. So you had the Levites here. Uh, behind the Levites, you had the praisers and the singers and the dancers. Behind the dancers and the singers, you had the king. He would stand here. Behind the king, you had the army. And behind the army, you had the multitude and the people of the city of Jerusalem. This is how you used to walk in the time of the presence of God in the Bible. But the Bible says that here was the Ark of the Covenant. The only one who had a right to come here was the high priest. He was the only one who had the right to stand in front of the Ark of the Covenant. But the Bible says that David danced in front of the Lord. Now, why did David dance in front of the Lord? Because he was supposed to be here. Because this is where kings stand. Kings stand in front of the singers. And the singers in front of the Levites. And the Levites in front of the Ark. And in the Ark, you have the priest. But why did David, why did David take the posture of leaving his place? And God didn't kill him for stepping out of line. Because he took off what represented the king and he put on the clothes of a priest and when he stands before the ark of the god god don't see a king god sees a worshiper that's why the bible says that the father is looking for worshipers that would worship him in spirit and in truth so the question is as i close are you willing to make the exchange are you willing? David is saying, I'm going to praise God. If creation praises God in obedience every day, Psalm 148, we read it yesterday, that's Sunday. If they praise God every day, so will I. I'm going to praise him as a shepherd boy. I'm going to praise him as a fugitive. I'm going to praise him as a king. I'm going to praise him on my way to the palace. I'm going to praise him while, 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 while Absalom trying to take my kingdom. I'm going to praise him when I'm, I'm going to praise the Lord at all times. And his praises shall continuously be in my mouth.
We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.